represents light and life that is found only in the person of Jesus Christ, God's only Son. Called the Christ candle, the fifth candle of Advent is typically lit on Christmas Day, but obviously we are doing that tonight. Uh, we light this candle in gratitude and thanksgiving for God's gracious gift of his Son who came to earth to live a sinless life, die for the sins of mankind, and he rose again, conquering sin and death, providing salvation from God's wrath through forgiveness of sins and the promise of eternal life to all who believe in him. I'm going to be reading some passages from John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, not even one thing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of the world. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not grasp it. A man came, one sent from God, and his name was John. He came as a witness to, have, to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. This was the true light that coming into the world enlightens every person. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, and yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not accept him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And I have three more verses from John. The first one, uh, and these are all New American Standard, by the way, and um, my first one is John 11, uh, verses 25 and 26. Um, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Uh, the second verse is John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. My last verse is John 20, verses 30 and 31. So then, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are written in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. got another passage for us to meditate on as we start off tonight. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 14. It says, In the same region there were some shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. 
and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Go ahead and stand together as we sing this song. shepherds began saying to one another let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us so they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in a manger when they had seen this they made known the statement which had been told them about this child and all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds but Mary Marie treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. Ooh, little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by.
want to thank uh, you gals and everybody for that wonderful, blessed, blessed music. I'd like to ask if you would bow with me as we continue, consider some things from, before we consider some things from God's Word. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for sending your son, Emmanuel, uh, that you might bring peace, not just on earth, uh, to men, but that you might bring heaven's peace to our hearts. And I pray that you would guide us as we look into your word and consider what that means to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of you are familiar with the, the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. And in the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, uh, I believe the guy's name is George Bailey. And George Bailey receives a wonderful gift from the people of his city after his money has been lost and his bank's going down and the people come and they give sacrificially uh, to, to George. And it, the, the gift impacted him in a remarkable way. Well, this evening we didn't come here to talk about George. We t- came to talk about the Lord. But in, in 2 Corinthians, uh, Paul is talking to the, the church at Corinth and he's trying to encourage them in their giving, to be generous in their giving. And what he does is he, he wants them to be sacrificial and he holds out until the end and he says, here's the, here's the final demonstration of sacrificial giving that I want you to look at. And as he pointed them to give for this, the, to the saints in Jerusalem, he pointed them to God's greatest example of generosity, which was the giving of his son. And the text in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15 says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. It's the indescribable gift. And this gift surpassed, far surpassed, in the cost and the consequence of anything that George Bailey received in in the movie. And so tonight I just want to take a few moments and I want us to look briefly at two aspects of this indescribable gift. And the first is the cost of God's indescribable gift. The text says, thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Well, a gift is unearned. It's undeserved. Either later tonight or maybe some of you already did and maybe tomorrow and maybe, I don't know, ad infinitum for the next few days, you're going to be opening gifts. And uh, none of those gifts, dare I say it, are deserved. Uh, None of them are earned. Uh, we We don't deserve any of it. We don't earn any of it. And the Bible tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That was his gift to the world. The gift is Christ, okay? The indescribable gift that that Paul's talking about, it's the person and the work of Jesus. It's indescribable in that Christ is the most precious, the most glorious, the most generous gift that God could give. And it's the inspiration for our giving. That's why Paul's referring to it in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. God's gift to us is our inspiration for, for giving to other people. And then, in, and so what does, in, earlier in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9, Paul gives us a little bit better of a description of this priceless gift that has been given. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8 uh, verse 9, Paul says this, He says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes 
he became, full, became poor. See, God's son, uh, God's, God's son, uh, his grace given to us, the son's grace, the son's unmerited favor, the son's undeserved gift to us, given to us, is that he became a human being. And it's seen, his grace is seen in that in becoming a human being, he, he, he was the one who was spiritually rich. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, how was he rich? He was spiritually rich in that he was perfect, without defect. He was God, sinless, okay? But he was also positionally rich. He was reigning in heaven. He was materially rich. In fact, he created everything, so there's nothing we could give him that he didn't already own. But for our sakes, he became poor. He became poor in spirit, humbling himself, taking on the form of a servant, being made in the likeness of men and being found in appearance of man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death. So he was poor in spirit by humbling himself. He became a man. And he was positionally poor because he became a servant. He was reigning and became a servant. And he was materially, became materially poor because, I mean, let's face it, he was born in Bethlehem in a stable to a carpenter and a teenage girl. It's not exactly, you know, palace stuff. And so he didn't start that way. Though he existed as God, Christ impoverished himself and taking the form of human flesh. And we heard it this morning, and the, the word became flesh. We heard it earlier, the word became flesh and, and made his dwelling among us. The grace of the Lord is that the prince of glory became a pauper for us. But I want to focus more on the, the consequence of that. That's the cost. It costs God and his son to become a human being, but the consequences in the second part of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be made rich. The purpose for God sending the son from riches to poverty was so that we who were in poverty might become rich. Uh, now, I'm going to stop there. This is not the health and wealth gospel. It's not that you're okay. Now you, 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 you know Jesus, then you're going to be uh, you know, financially better off. That, that could happen, but that's not, that, that's not what he's saying there. That you introduces the purpose. That, that introduces a purpose. God sending the riches we might become rich through his poverty. You, through his poverty, taking on humanity, might become spiritually rich. We might become righteous in God's eyes. Because there's no other way for us as human beings to become righteous in God's eyes but through the person and work of Jesus Christ. That we might become positionally rich, no longer as sinners headed for an eternity apart from God, but God's children. That we might become materially rich, not in the sense that it's this world, but that we become heirs, joint heirs with Jesus. And we receive an inheritance that's, as I said this morning, that's incorruptible, undefiled, that fades not away. And I get this, it's reserved in heaven. Okay, so that's not a promise that we're going to be wealthy here, but reserved in heaven for us. How's that happen? How is it that we go from, through Jesus, that we go from poverty to riches? Uh, very familiar verses. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him would not perish, but it might have everlasting life. 
eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him, that we might be saved through him. That through belief in the son, we might not perish, might, have, might not experience eternal condemnation. Jesus was sent to save. Uh, some of you have seen this uh, movie that, uh, called Balto, uh, the story of this sled dog. The sled dog was the lead dog in a sled team that led a, a dog sled team across from Anchorage to Nome, Alaska with serum that would rescue and save the people who were dying of a disease in Nome, Alaska. What did God save us from? You go, well, I know this. I've heard this. I've been in church before. That's okay. You're going to hear it again. He came to save us from our sin. Uh, we've been studying in Romans in our morning service until we got to Christmas and took a, a little break from Romans. But in Romans chapter 3, verse 9, there's none righteous, no, not one. None of us is righteous. None of us is deserving of, of, of spending time with God. We're all sinful people. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are defective. There's a sad story of a, a young man in the first church that we served in. There was a, a young man who had gone off, and he was a Navy, avi, naval aviator. He was a pilot. He flew off of aircraft carriers. And on one mission, he took off from the aircraft carrier, and immediately his air, airplane inverted. There was a speck of dust in one of his fuel lines, and so one of his engines shut down, and the other one took over, and he inverted, and he ejected straight down into the ocean and lost his life. One small defect cost him his life. Well, needless to say, we are all defective, and we deserve God's judgment and wrath. The wage of sin is death, the Bible says. But there's good news. Christ died for us in 1 John chapter 4. Uh, John tells us this in 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. By this the love of God was manifest in us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent His Son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. He died in our place. He took upon Himself that which was causing our death so that if we trust in Him, we would live even though He died for us. Now, at Christmas time, we like to, the world at least, maybe not all of you here, we like to, uh, to sanitize and we like to sentimentalize uh, Christmas. We like to keep Jesus as a baby in, in a manger. But the marvel of Christmas is that the, the God's gracious gift is that the sinless Son of God took the punishment of God's wrath we deserve. And he died in our place so that we could live. In a prison camp, 60, 70 years ago, there was a, a father, a priest, named Maximilian Colby. And in the same prison camp was another man whose name I do not know. And in that prison camp, the man whose name I do not know, because of some mishap in the, in the prison of war camp, was sentenced to death. He was sentenced to the box, which is a place that they sent prisoners to die of starvation. 
And this man was middle-aged, had a family, but they, he was in the prison camp. And Father Colby said to the, went up to the guard at risk of his own life and said, I'll take his place. And the prison guard says, I don't care who dies. And so Maximilian Colby went into the box. And he died in the place of the other man. It's exactly what Jesus Christ did, only Father Colby didn't deserve to die. Well, this... Jesus didn't deserve to die either. And so he died in our place. And we must accept this gift by faith. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that nobody can brag about it, nobody can boast about it. And this faith means trust. Several years ago I took my family, and we went down to the Royal Gorge in Colorado, and there's this uh, tram, and I think I've told our congregation about it before, but there's a tram that goes across from one side to the other, and we got on the tram. It's a step of faith. I don't know, a thousand feet below you is the Royal Gorge, and you're going along this cable on this car, and you're kind of looking out going, oh, okay, I guess we're out here. You, you put your trust, your faith in Jesus Christ is active. You turn from your sin, and you, you trust in Christ and what he did for us on the cross. Several years ago, Marla was in, doing her internship in, in Nashville, Tennessee, and she received as a gift they gave to people new to the city uh, this compliment, two complimentary tickets to a fancy buffet at one of the hotels downtown. Well, wonderful, great. We had the tickets to the buffet, but we had to actually go down there and redeem the tickets for the buffet. You must personally put your faith and your trust in what Jesus Christ did on the cross. The question really is, uh, will, will you take the son and receive him? A wealthy man and his son collected rare works of art from Picasso to Raphael. And the son died in the Vietnam War rescuing another soldier. The father grieved deeply. And about a month later, a man showed up at his door carrying a big package. And the young man knocked at the door and he said, Sir, you don't know me, but I know that your son would want you to have this. The young man held out his package, and the man opened the package, and to his dismay, uh, it was a portrait of, of his son. The man had explained, I'm not really a great artist, but, I, you know, this is the best I can do. And the man was just awestruck by the way that the young gentleman had captured the personality of his son in the picture. In the painting. And so the father hung this picture above his mantle. And when people would come to visit him to see his massive art collection of all the, all the greats, he would take them first to see a picture of the son. Well, unfortunately, the man died a few months later. And there was an auction of his paintings. And the picture of the son was up first on the auction. And so the auctioneer, you know, he, he began, he said, okay, who give me $100 for this? $100, $100, who give me $100, now two? Who give me $100, $100, $100, now two? Now two, now two, who give me $100, now who two? And so, okay, do I get $100? Got $100. Come on, come on, who give me $100? Nobody gave him but From the back of the crowd, someone yelled out, we didn't come to see this painting. We didn't come to bid on this painting. We came to bid on the, on the important ones. Come on, let's go. And uh, we didn't come to see this one, but the auctioneer was persistence. Okay, who'll, who'll take the sun? Who'll take the sun? Picture the sun. We're going to give it up. Okay, anybody give me a bid? Come on, come on. Finally, from the back, there was a, a poor man, and this poor man was the, the gardener. He'd been the gardener for the father and his son. He said, I'll give you $10. Okay, I got 10, now 20. I got 10, now 20, now 20. I got 10, now 20. I got 10, now 20, now 20. Everybody got 10, now 10, now 10. Anybody got 20? 20. No, no bidders. Okay, I got $10 going once. 
$10 going twice, $10 going three times, sold, pounded his gavel. And after he pounded his gavel, he laid the gavel down. He says, I, I'm here to inform you that the auction's over. Everybody was aghast. He says, I was informed of a stipulation in the will. And the stipulation in the will said that there would be an auction, but whoever bought the sun got everything. All of the paintings, all of the inheritance went to the person who got the sun. Whoever takes the sun gets everything. And so it is with God's indescribable gift of the son who became poor and gave his life so that all who are poor and believe in him might become rich, spiritually rich, and live eternally. Whoever trusts in Christ's death and his resurrection as the payment for our sin is proof that he has victory over sin and death, those people, those people, their debt, eternal debt has been paid, and they receive the son, they get everything. Pardon from sin, righteousness before God, and eternity in heaven. The question is, have you taken the Son? Have you received the Son, Jesus Christ, as your Lord and Savior? Because if you haven't received Him by faith, then you get not nothing. You get an eternity apart from God. At least that's what the Bible teaches. You don't have to believe me. You don't have to accept what I say, but that's what the Bible says. And so you can take it up with what God says. Those who take the Son get everything. We get our forgiveness. We get our pardon. We get right standing before God. And one day we'll stand before God in eternity. Even though we're not perfect now, God's Son took it so that we don't have to be perfect. That's the point. We don't get perfect before we come to God. We come to God because we're not perfect. And He cleanses us. And so I pray for you this Christmas that you take the Son, because whoever takes the Son gets everything. Let's pray. Father, I do pray that your Spirit would work. If there's anyone here this evening who has never personally put their faith or their trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they'd see this is not about just a baby in a manger, but it's about a, a God who became human, who lived this on this earth, a sinless life, to die on a cross so that he would pay the price for our sins so that if we put our faith or our trust in him and not through our good works, that we would be reconciled to you. We'd be declared righteous before a holy God and we'd receive the gift of eternal life and the forgiveness of our sins. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Christmas gift from God. Why don't you take Christ home for Christmas and get a brand new start? Why don't you take Christ home for Christmas and receive him in your heart? There's a book of old where stories are told of Christmas Day a long time ago in a stable forlorn a baby was born to take away the sins of the world. Why don't you take Christ home for Christmas and get a brand new start? Why don't you take Christ home for Christmas and receive him in your heart? He was born to Mary and Joseph on a starry night. As he lay there in the manger, the angels were in flight. Why don't you take Christ home for Christmas and get a brand new start? Why don't you take Christ home for Christmas 
and receive him in your heart. There came to be three shepherds guided from above. They were joined there by three wise men with their gifts of love. Why don't you take Christ home for Christmas and get a brand new start? Why don't you take Christ home for Christmas and receive him in your heart? shall not perish, but have everlasting life. All right, so now we are going to darken the lights. And as we do that, I want you to think about a verse from John chapter 1. John chapter 1, it says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You know, Jesus was that light. He came into a world full of darkness. But that darkness could not overcome him. And in the same way, you know, there may be some here today that realize that their heart is filled with darkness. And what we want you to know is that it's not too late to come to Jesus today. That light of Christ uh, can shine in your heart and that darkness cannot overcome it. So uh, help uh, pass the uh, light to those next to you. And I'm going to ask you to stand as we sing our final song tonight. And uh, one of the verses in this, in this song talks uh, about that light. It says, Silent night, holy night, Son of God, loves pure light, radiant beams from thy holy face, with the dawn of redeeming grace. So that's what we're here to celebrate tonight. Let's sing together. Silent night, holy night,
Father, we thank you for the gift, the indescribable gift of Jesus Christ our Lord. That though he was rich, he became poor for our sakes. Father, we pray that no one would leave that gift unopened. That all would come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And have that peace that overcomes all darkness, all fear, all death in this life. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us uh, this evening. If you would extinguish your candles and then leave them on the table as you depart, uh, you are dismissed. We hope everyone has a wonderful Christmas.